This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. As announced last week, for each Sunday leading up to Christmas, we're featuring one Christmas song that launches us or kind of propels us into our study of the Word. But before we get to today's song to help set the tone for our lesson, I, I, I want you to repeat three phrases after me. Now, I know you're kind of the laid back. The, the early service, it's an amazing 8.30 service. They're, they're wild. They're crazy. They're loud. And sometimes maybe obnoxious. Obnoxious. Don't tell them that, please, just between you and me. But no, not really. But you're, you're the quiet service. So you're going to have to really step up a little bit, okay? Step up your game right now. But I'd like for you to repeat after me these, these three phrases because we're going to be building our lesson around these three phrases. Here is the first one. God is with us. One, two, three. God is with us. Good job. Here's the second one. God was with us. Here's the third. God will be with us. Now, I know some of you are OCD and, and it bothers you to have it in that order because it's really not logical. It would make more sense to go, God was with us, you know, the past, God is with us, the present, God will be with us in the future. But you know by now, I don't do things in a logical manner here at this church. And so if, if that bothers you, we'll pray for you and ask God to give you victory over that. But I want you to hold these phrases for a few moments while I give you some facts about the Christmas song that we will highlight today. Today's Christmas song is a tune, has a tune that is slow and majestic. But someone also described parts of it as being haunting or even eerie. And, and I think both descriptions are spot on. It is slow and majestic, majestic, but for those of you that know a little bit about music, it's in a minor key, uh, E minor to be exact which gives it a bit of an eerie feel. Something else about this Christmas song, as opposed to many other Christmas songs, this song actually has some theological depth. And we talked about this last week. I expressed my, my frustration with Christmas songs, partially because some of them, you know, some of this are just weird and wacky. But then I struggle with Christmas songs, some of them because they're so shallow and theologically incorrect. But, but in this song, instead of, the little light-hearted phrases, you actually find some deep theological concepts straight out of the Old Testament. Now, this song is a very old song, and the author is unknown. It, it was believed that the words were probably written by a monk sometime before the year 800 A.D., now, even though a few said it could have been a little bit later than that. But to get a perspective of that time frame, this was a period of history that we often refer to as the Dark Ages. Civilization, it seemed, had broken down and, and humanity was sliding backwards into chaos and, and ignorance and unending warfare and, and there was disease and pestilence that just kind of wiping out humanity. But during this time, someone, somewhere, probably in a monastery in Europe, pinned this song that would span not just a few decades and not just a few centuries, but it would span over a millennium, over a thousand years, clear up to Christmas of this year. Now, I talked about the depth and theology of this song, and, and this was important because during the Dark Ages, 
the, the Bible was inaccessible for most people. They didn't have access to the scriptures. And, and uh, so, but the monk who composed this song obviously had a rich knowledge of scripture. Because th- this song quotes a, a wealth of phrases from the Old Testament prophecies that, that speak of the coming of the Messiah. He uses phrases such as the rod of Jesse, the key of David, the desire of nations, the Lord of might. These are all phrases straight out of the Old Testament. And so people, so, so for, for the people of this era who did not have access to a Bible as we do, this song expressed the hope that the birth of a Savior gave. Now the question is, how did this song that was written 1,200 years ago become so popular worldwide? And, and, and by the way, you know by now that the song to which I'm referring to is the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But how, how does this song, and it doesn't have one of the more fun and more catchy phrases, uh, but, but how has this ancient song stayed at the forefront of Christmas music up until today? Well, after the words were written in 800, a bunch of nuns, 600 years later, in, in the 15th century, in a French Franciscan convent in the country of Portugal, they put a tune to the words. And then some 400 years after that, in the early 19th century, an Anglican priest by the name of John Mason Neal came into the picture. Now, now Father Neal was a brilliant priest. He, he could write and speak over 20 languages. I mean, that's amazing. You know, here, here in this area, we don't speak English. We speak Cedar County. Um, and, and we struggle. Most of us, including your pastor, you know what? We can't quite figure out correct grammar. And so we say stuff like, well... He, he done, we done, we was, we seen. And, and again, I'm one of those uh, fellow strugglers. But we, we have a hard time with, with English. And so we just prefer to default back to, C, uh, to, to Cedar County. Uh, but here is Father Neil, able to speak and write 20, over 20 languages. And because of his intelligence and his brilliance, and, and just the fact that he was being used by God, he should have been one of the leading figures in the Anglican church. But apparently, many were jealous of his abilities. And, and so through some ugly church politics, and by the way, I think there's probably nothing more distasteful, more ugly than church politics. I mean, Washington is bad enough. But, but when politics gets into a church, it's ugly. U-G-L-Y, ugly. Well, because of that, Father Neil was sent off to one of the most undesirable spots in the world to, to minister in some islands that were called the Madeira Islands near Africa. But, but what is amazing and, and what showed his true character, Father Neil didn't get bitter, he didn't get angry, he didn't do what most of us would do and say, well, if that's the way you feel, I'm just going to quit and, and you can just take this job and, and, and love it or whatever people say here. But, but Father Neil didn't do that. He simply went to work sharing Christ in those isolated islands. And there in the Madeira Islands, he established an orphanage. He established a school for girls, began a ministry to evangelize and reclaim prostitutes. And, and while he was there, he was reading through an ancient book of hymns called the Psalterorium Cantionum Catholicarum. Try to say that three times. You know, some people golf or fish, Facebook for entertainment, Father Neil read through Latin hymnals. 
But while reading this hymnal, listen, he came across the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And he saw the richness of the song. And and so he took that Latin text and translated it into English. And, And soon his translation made it to England. From there it came across the pond to our country and then on around the world. And so let me summarize again how this song came to be. The words were penned by an unnamed monk over 1,200 years ago. 600 years later, it was given a tune by some nuns in an obscure convent 400 years after that, it was rediscovered by a banished priest off the coast of Africa. Together, they were used by God to complete this song that is one of the most theologically sound and deep Christmas songs that we sing today. Now, one more thing. Um, When this song was written, it was more than likely done as an antiphon. You might have heard the phrase antiphonal effect. That's where you have one group that sings, another group answers, kind of gives a stereo effect. But, but you need to realize that this, that, that it was uh, not singing as we know today. It was a chant or a, what, what's called a Gregorian chant. Very different. And so I've asked our praise band to illustrate how O Come, O Come, Emmanuel might have sounded a long time ago. And then they will fast forward a century or two and give it a more modern sound. Oh, 
Wow, thank you so much. Um, Lord, we just worship you. God, we worship you. Lord, we just pray that same thing. Oh, come, oh, come. Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen. You probably guessed that the one word that's going to set the tone for our message today is the word Emmanuel. And we use this word a lot around here, especially during the Christmas season. And you know it, if you've attended church any at all, you know that the word Emmanuel means God with us. And whether or not you realize that many of us pray Emmanuel prayers sometimes, maybe every day. Maybe we're going somewhere and so we pray, God, be with us as we travel. Did you know that's an Emmanuel prayer? Be with us. Uh, you know, sometimes as we're going for a job interview, that's what we pray. You know, God, be with me. That's an Emmanuel prayer. Or, or, or God, be with me as I go through this surgery. Or, or, or God, I'm in school and I'm dealing with a, a, a tough bunch of kids and be with me as, as I face the forces of darkness today. Just kidding on that. Uh, you know, sometimes during the Christmas season, it's, it's God be with us. Help me find a close parking place. You know, as I do some last minute shopping or, or here's a good one. God be with me and help me not to gain weight during the Christmas season. And again, all of God's people said, Amen. So we pray Emmanuel prayers a lot, but what we want to discuss today is what does it really mean? What are the implications for God to be with us? And today's scripture will help answer that question. We're going to go to Matthew's version of the birth of Christ, which is found in the first chapter. We're going to break into verse 21. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation today. Referring to the Virgin Mary in verse 21, it says, And she will have a son. And, and by the way, this is the announcement that they, the people had been longing to hear for centuries. She will have a son, and, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then it goes on in verse 22. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Now, let, let me pause a moment. What Matthew is about to do is to quote the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, the, the prophet had, had prophesied the birth of Christ some 740 years before it took place. Now that blows me away. Over seven centuries before the event was to take place, a prophecy was given and Matthew quotes the prophecy in verse 23. Look! The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. He will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. Now, what was said here was earth-shattering news. Because in those days, the, everyone had the opinion that God was an unapproachable God. You couldn't get near God. And, of course, they got that from, you know, part of it was... Uh, there in the temple, there was a holy of holies, and, and only the high priest had access once a year. Common people did not have direct access to God. But, but suddenly, Matthew shocks the world, and he said, God would be known as Emmanuel, which has the implication of a down-to-earth God who would walk and would talk and would live among all his people. God is with us. Now, question here, a couple of questions. Have you ever wondered what it was that made the shepherds run back into the field rejoicing? 
Or have you ever wondered what it was that caused the wise men to fall on their faces and bow down and worship Jesus? Well, it was because God, the creator, the sustainer of the universe, was now a relational God. And he stripped himself of all of his glory. He became like us in the form of a baby who was all God, yet all man, yet without sin. And he was now a personal God that dwelt on earth. And so what Matthew was saying in the account of Jesus' birth is what I had you repeat at the beginning of the service. God is with you. God was with you. God will be with you. Let's break down those three thoughts. Let's first of all look at God is with you. You know, another gospel in Luke chapter 1 verse 28, an angel appears to a virgin teenage girl and, and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is what? The Lord is with you. And this is very important to this teenage girl because can you imagine her world is about to be turned upside down? And by the way, for those of you whose world has been turned upside down, and there are some of you here this morning, for those of you that are hurting right now, I want you to understand the Lord is with you. Scripture says that our God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in our trials. And, and, and the root Greek word, what that really means literally is that God is called to come alongside of us and minister and comfort us during our time of trouble. And that means so much during this time of year. And, and I, I was talking with you about this, Joe, earlier a couple of days ago, but I don't know if you've noticed this, but Christmas is like a great magnifier. It, it magnifies the good and makes the good really good. But it magnifies the bad and the painful and the lonely times. And it makes them seem really bad as well. And some of you, you're facing an empty chair this year. Maybe because of death. Some of you because of divorce. Some of you because of distance. Maybe the pain comes from a health issue. You're saying, where is God? God, I thought you were loving God. Where are you? I remind you that He is there with you. He is Emmanuel. And here's the thing. When you understand that the God of the universe, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the ever-present God is with you, then that means that when you feel lost and don't know where to turn, He is with you as your guide. That means that when you're hurting and feel alone, He is with you as your friend. That means that when you're in the middle of a trial, God is with you as your helper. That means that when you're sick, God is with you as your healer. That means that when you're weak, God is with you as your strength. That means that when you're lonely, because you've lost that dear loved one, He is with you as your comforter. That means that when you're depressed, He is with you as your encouragement. And by the way, if anybody else has the urge to say amen, now would be a good time to do it. Because our God is with you. And just for the record, I think I'm preaching better than what you're responding, okay? Because God is with you. Everybody say, God is with you. Well, secondly, God was with you. 
If you ever take time to look in the rearview mirror of your life, you will see that God has been with you. You know, the story of Joseph, and this is different Joseph than Mary's Joseph, but the one in the Old Testament, he's been referred to so many times. And Joseph started out as a young man that had big dreams for his life. And and he actually shared that with his brothers, and that didn't go over well. His brothers didn't like him. They said, you're a punk, you're cocky, you're a jerk. And so they beat him up. They threw him in a dry well, and they said, let's let him die there. Well, one of the quote-unquote nice brothers said, no, he's our brother. Let's not let him die. Let's just sell him as a slave. And and about that time, a caravan of people came by, and they were heading to a foreign land. They sold him as a slave. And, of course, you know the story. He was accused falsely for something he did not do. He was thrown into prison. And I think it would have been easy for him to have said, you know what, where is God? God, if you're a loving God, why did you allow this to happen to me? But, but Joseph kept trusting God. He lived with integrity. And, and if you will follow his story, you will see that the pit of prison became the passage to the palace where he became second in command over Egypt. And what appeared to be a dead-end road for Joseph was actually a highway, an interstate established by God. And it became the means to save his family and countless numbers of other people from a disastrous famine. And in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, it tells us exactly where God was. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. As I look back over my life and the life of my family, I see how God has been with us. And I see how God was with me when I narrowly avoided being hit by a tractor trailer truck that came over into my lane and turned over right in front of me, came sliding towards me and I was able to avoid him. I see how God was with me one day walking alone on a street on my way to a bus station in another country and two men tried to rob me, but I was able to get away unscathed and didn't lose a thing. I see how God was with me as a child in South America when I came down with tuberculosis, which at that time in that part of the world was a deadly disease, almost automatic death, but What is amazing is that God not only allowed me to heal, but God has been so gracious, even with lungs that today they're still scarred from that disease. God has been gracious to allow me to blow my trumpet and amazingly even give me enough breath to climb mountains. So guys, Chad, uh, you know, I've I've got an excuse. What's yours if you struggle there in the mountains? (laughs) I see how God has been with us when our daughter Erica spent 30 days in the hospital and we nearly lost her. I see how God has been with us when my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's or a form of Alzheimer's and she spent the last two years of her life not even recognizing me. I see how God has been with me as as I've traveled many miles across the world in dangerous hot spots, over 40 countries trying to further the cause of Christ and God has protected me. And I'm not bragging, but this is just God's protection. I've never even been pickpocketed. And that's the grace of God. I I see how God has been with us as a family as we've encountered difficult times that on our own we could have never gotten through. God has been with us. The third phrase I want to try to embed in your mind is that God will be with you. God will be with you. And and if your mind has been wandering, would you harness your mind and come back for a few moments here? 
you know, we've covered the past, the present. But it's my privilege to tell you that regardless of what you go through in the future, God will be with you. Let's go back to this teenage girl named Mary that was chosen to give birth to Jesus Christ. If she would have known all that that entailed, she would have probably collapsed on the spot. But God was going to be with her. And God was going to be with her when she would have to deal with some shame from other people when it came to light that she was carrying a child that was conceived by circumstances that in the mind of the public was very questionable. And then God was going to be with her as a full-term pregnant lady as she would travel a hundred miles on the back of a donkey. And then God was going to be with her when, when there would be no room for them in the inn. And God would be with her when she would give birth to the Son of God in a stable next to farm animals. And then God would be with her when she would have to flee to another country to save the life of her son from a jealous king. And God would be with her when her, her son was 12 years old and they wouldn't be able to find him. They were panicking and they discovered that he was in the temple asking questions, answering questions, teaching, saying he was about his father's business. And then God would be with her when, when she would, would see her son falsely accused and, and persecuted. And, and then God would be with her when she would watch her son suffer on a brutal cross, abused by the sinners for whom he would die and forgive. And God would be with her as, as he would look up into heaven. She would see him look up into the heavens and, and say, it is finished. And, and, and then, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And, and God would be with her when the earth would go dark and begin to shake with an earthquake. And God would be with her on that first night when she would wait and wonder, what did my son mean when he said he would rise again? And God would be with her on the second night when, no doubt, she began to wonder, will he rise again? And maybe reality hit her that her son was dead. But then God would be with her on that third day when the stone would be rolled away and they would find the tomb empty. God would be with her when, when he would leave this earth and ascend back up into the heavens to take his place at the right hand of God where he is making intercession for us this very moment. Would you say amen? amen. God would be with Mary because God was Emmanuel. You know, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He asked the question, and I'd like for you to help me to answer this, okay? He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? What's the answer? No. Or hardship? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? I've always wondered what that's in that list for, but... Or danger? Sword? And then in verse 37, Paul answers it. He said, no! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Understand this. Nothing. Nothing. Say the word nothing. One, two, three. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a very misquoted verse. It doesn't say nothing can separate you from God because the Bible says in Isaiah that sin separates us relationally from God. Uh, but, but this verse is saying that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not your fears, not your doubts, 
Not your insecurities. Not the things that you can't explain. Not your brokenness. Not your failures. Not your cancer. Did you hear that? Not your cancer. Not the loss of your spouse. Not your mistakes. Not a divorce. Not what someone else did to you. Not your broken dreams. Not the valley of the shadow of death. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus because He is with you. He was with you. And praise God, He will be with you. I hesitated to tell this story and I went ahead and got His permission. And we, uh, you know, we, we, we've lost different people in our church over the last few weeks and it's always tragic and I think of our friend uh, Clarence Hackleman, married 64 years, and he lost his dear spouse just, what, two or three weeks ago. And, and then about a month ago, um, one of our members tragically lost his spouse. And again, I got permission to tell this, and I want to just, I, I don't want this to be a painful thing. He's here today. But... Um, Randy's spouse had gone to see her sister about a month ago and I don't know, Lamar area, some, some, some place in that area. And, and um, at 9.18 that night, I think it was a birthday party, whatever, for a family member. And so she called and said, honey, I'm on my way home to see you. And uh, I, I'm just kind of taking, you know, the short version, leaving out a lot of the details that are very, very painful. But she, uh, she didn't get home that night. And uh, if I have my details correct here, uh, the next day they began looking for her and they found that um, her pickup truck, they found her truck had gone off of a road. They're an old 71 into uh, a creek, actually it was called a river. And... I don't know if the truck was completely submerged, but they, uh, she was not in the truck, and they began looking for her body, and they found it um, sometime later in, in the water. And of course, at a time like this, um, we question everything. We think, wow, wow, totally unexpected. And uh, I was talking with him this week and, you know, last week he was just kind of sharing with us and this week he filled me in on more details and, you know, it's just a really complicated situation and, um, you know, it's, they're still trying to figure out exactly what happened. The police report hasn't even been concluded yet, just wanting to make sure that they've got all of the details down before it's it's concluded, but I... I was talking with Randy this past week, and I just asking him, Randy, what? Man, how are you going to do this? How are you going to move on beyond this? And I don't remember all of our conversation, but anyway, it came down to the fact, and he began to say, you know what, God, I have felt God's presence. God is with me. Doesn't make sense. There are a lot of unanswered questions, and it hurts so very much. But Randy, uh, I don't know what else to say to you, my friend, but I know God will be with you. And Randy told me, I just said, Randy, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make this more painful to you. But he said, if 
I can help someone else that's going through a tough time. I want to do it. And he said, go ahead and tell my story. And so he said, God's been with me. You know, the truth is, we don't know what's going to happen this next year. More than likely, and I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but more than likely, tragedy will strike in others of our families here represented today. I mean, that, that's probably the truth. There, there are enough people represented here that probably there will be tragedy, and it could be me, it could be my family, it could be you, it could be your family, it could be your friends. And I'm not here to say that something good is going to happen to you. I know that God will be with us. That's what I'm trying to let you know. There may be bad things that will happen. And, and I cannot speak to that except for the fact that God is Emmanuel. He will be with us. And so, you know, this morning, that's what I, I, I want us to just put in the bank right there. And, and really, the, the question, you know, as we try to wrap this up here this morning, the, the question that needs to be answered today is not, is God with you? Because God's with us, right? Amen? I, I think we've established that. We all believe that. But the question I believe that needs to be answered today is this. Here it is. Are you with God? I, I think that's probably the, the question that really needs to be asked and answered today. God is with us, but are you with God? And so this morning, maybe you haven't dealt with that issue and maybe you've just been kind of relying on the fact that, you know, your family's kind of been a good family and, you know, go to church some and good person and all of that kind of stuff that we always hang our hat on. But, but, but the question really is, have you made a commitment to where he's Lord of your life. And so before we go this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. God is with us. Amen. But are you with God? Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I pray that you would give us honesty today. I, I know we're so good at faking it. We can put on a smile. We can act like everything's good. We put up a wall. Lord, uh, we never really answer the question of eternity in our hearts. But Lord, I pray that there would just be that spirit of honesty today that... Lord, if there are some people here today that they know that God's with them, and we quote that a lot, but... Lord, we probably need to deal with the question, are we with God? Are we right with God? Have we given Him our heart, our soul, our, our mind, our strength, everything? Have we given Him our sin and asked forgiveness and received His cleansing? And so, God, I just pray that right now that You would help us to be honest before You. And, Lord, if there's unconfessed sin in our lives, that it would just come up before our minds. Lord, that it would bother us. And, Lord, if there's something that's not right, if we're not aligned with you, I pray that right now we would be convicted of that. Father, just give us this moment of honesty, I pray.
Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.